Hello coders. Oop, hang on. Not sure if I'm live yet. Oh, there we go. Hello coders. Hell, hello. <laughs> now I'm live. Hello coders. Welcome to episode 140 of the How to Code Well podcast. I am live as I always am Thursday evenings at eight o'clock here on YouTube. And today we're going to be talking about code iteration and the time that each iteration of code can be reduced um, is critical for, to the success of, of web development projects. That's the topic of today's show is code iteration time. Before we get into that, though, let's do what we usually do and dive into the change log. This is where I talk about the various things that have happened on the House Code World platform this week or since the last time I spoke about it. So what we're doing is we are currently working through the PHP uh, course, the new course that we're producing. It's about logging in and secure areas and, and all of that good stuff. It's PHP, raw PHP, no frameworks, no uh, fancy JavaScript, bit of CSS, all good fun. We are almost, almost, I can almost touch it, smell it, taste it, almost at the end of the documentation phase of uh, of this and this phase is well this phase documents each one of the lessons there's going to be around 10 lessons in this course and the documentation is done on in essentially markdown files readme files and we've nearly completed the first pass of the documentation the second pass will be reviewing the whole thing, installing the whole project from scratch, but this time using a Ubuntu machine, uh, Ubuntu virtual machine. And then the the last pass of the documentation, if you will, will be done using a Windows machine, using a Windows virtual machine. So I've almost completed the documentation for the whole thing. Then the next uh, stream, what I'm hoping to do, the next Tuesday stream, I'm hoping to do it using Ubuntu. And then I'll probably need to have a couple of streams to fix that up. And then after that, we'll do Windows. And then once I'm happy with everything, once I can install the project and get it running uh, via the documentation on both Mac, Windows and Linux, then I'll actually do the recording of the video. So we're, we're getting we're getting there. We're getting there. OK, another thing I want to say is that last week's show is now live. <laughs> The last week's podcast I had to do offline because we were having issues with the internet here. So I did it off offline and that is on shopping carts and how difficult shopping carts are. And uh, so that's available on the howtocodewell.fm website. Okay, so before we get into the topic of today's show, we're also going to just take a look at some questions that people have had on the YouTube channel here and, and, and other places. So first of all, uh, well, there's two questions. First, Eric writes in and says um, that uh, on the, yes, yeah, sorry, he, he writes in on the hack to check if PHP is working. That's a YouTube short that I did uh, recently um, and asks if the next video will be based on the PHP 8 match expression and when to use it. So I, I love the fact that he's put in the uh, and when to use it part, because that's that's going to give me a, a big guidance as to when the next thing is going to be. 
uh, or, or, or parts of that, that uh, content should be. So I'm not going to promise that I'm going to get that done the, on the next YouTube short, but I will say that that's included in the schedule, the match expression. So don't worry, that will come up. But whether it will be the next one, who knows? <laughs> Um, so the, uh, Karel writes on the PHP array sum tutorial. So I did a t- tutorial on PHP array sum. Uh, uh, Karel asks, uh, how can we do the same thing, but directly within the database in a database call? So the array sum sums the values of the PHP array and gives you a, f- a, a, a sum, uh, a sum result of those things. So, Karel asks how to do this in, uh, in, in a database like, uh, MySQL. So there is a sum function in MySQL. And what it does is it takes an argument, um, which is the expression that it uses to sum up whatever you've passed it. So I've got a little example here that I'll just go through as to how you would use it on a sort of a day to day basis. So, um, you can find you, sorry, you can use, use it to find the sum of a field in, in several records by supplying the field name as the expression and then add uh, the rest of the query as usual. So in your SQL query, you would, you would say select sum as something like, you know, whatever you want to give it a name from, and then the database table and then where, and then your where clause. So the sum would probably go around in the select part of your query. So for example, to get the sum of a shopping cart or a shopping basket, uh, you could do something like this. Let's say you had a table of order items with a foreign key to an order. Okay. So you've got an order has many, one order has many order items. Okay. So in your order items, you have a link back to the order that it, that each order item is associated with. Okay. So, so that's sorted out. Um, you could get the sum of a specific order, the sum of all of the order items prices of a specific order by saying select sum order item dot price, because price would be the field on the order item. So order item dot price, uh, from, uh, order items where order item dot order underscore ID is equal to whatever ID of the particular order you would get that would return you a sum of all of the prices of the order items. Obviously, however, do change. I've got a little note here, obviously change the, the name uh, of order in your query. If you're, you were to use this example, for instance, because order is a reserved word in or reserved keyword in, uh, in SQL. So change that. That's why I call things order summary or invoice or whatever. Thank you, Terry Murray, for joining. I appreciate that. What's what's happening next? <laughs> I don't know. We're just going to roll through it, I think. Um, today we're talking about code iteration, or we will be talking about code iteration. Uh, the time of the code iteration sort of feedback loops and why that is so critical. So the, the point... Or the, the thing that really grabbed my attention, I should say, was this blog post, uh, and it's written by Adam Berg. I'm going to put this in the show notes below, um, when I, when I finish this stream. And this caught my eye, a clickbaity title, but, um, <laughs> 
true nonetheless. Uh, the title of this blog post by Adam Berg was um, "Code shouldn't take all uh, three lines of code shouldn't take all day." And I read that and I was like, mm, pretty sure I, I wrote a little bit more than three lines of code today. Why did it take? Um, why did it take him all day? It turns out that Adam Berg um, worked for uh was it epic games or electronic arts sorry electronic arts he, so he was a game developer <clears throat> and he was writing all of these games and he had to test obviously the code that he was writing and it took ages for him to to get any kind of feedback of the changes of code that he he had created obviously he had compile times that had to he had to take into account but he also had to take into account the time in which it took to run what he calls as these test beds these sort of automated sort of testing environments and initially um through his post it well through his post initially what it turns out is that he he was working on the actual game so you could actually just play the game and get to the point in the game in which your thing had to be uh, tested, right? So that obviously took a long time in order to get the game to a particular state in which you can test. I mean, that is, that is, uh, would obviously take a long time. And then as he progressed, uh, he, he did this thing where there was test beds and those test beds were a slightly more automated and only like, like only um, used the code that he was actually working on. It didn't have the whole entire suite involved and then he goes on and says things about um unit testing and how he he started to work on packages where the unit tests would only test the specific code that he was worrying about so it wasn't coupled to the whole entire suite so as i was reading this i i, I noticed a trend where he was getting more and more precise as to what it was that he was doing and the feedback loops were becoming more and more succinct to the environment in, it in which he was working in. And obviously with game development, you've got all sorts of crazy things that you have to deal with and, and worry about like the whole, you know, not even just playing the game, but the whole installation process, building it from scratch, um, you know, loading all the assets up, getting to a specific level, having all sorts of, I don't know, <laughs> having all sorts of settings set up and all of that jazz. So the more the more of that that you can automate and run in the background or just have ready or just install it quickly, then the quicker it's going to be for you to actually get to the point in which you want to test. So in the post, Adam, uh, Adam talks about his time developing video games at Electronic Arts. Uh, he mentions that due to testing tools and requirements, it could take up to three days. Uh, sorry, it could take up to a day to write three lines of code. <laughs> Get that right. So it could take up to a day to write three lines of code. This iteration time was greatly reduced when he used test beds. He mentions in the, in his article, that the test beds focused on particular areas of code, which meant the tooling was slimmed down. Um, this allowed him to laser in to the code that was needed to be tested. And as a result, made the code iteration far quicker. We're going to talk about why that's important in, in a second. How, um, sorry, he goes on to say in the post, 
uh, that he moved on to unit testing, which also made his life a lot easier. These tests pack- were packaged up into contained sort of chunks of code, um, which was very specific to what his team needed and not the other teams. Uh, again, this was a slimmed down portion of the game. He mentions that these test packages took less than a second to compile and run, which made him less distracted and he could focus in on the task at hand. So this is game development, right? This is game development, but there's a lot of parallels to web development, a lot of parallels. So the whole destruction piece here is, is huge. So when I'm running, um, when I'm, when I'm writing some code, and I, I usually have uh, Slack running and uh, emails running. You know, you get distracted quite a lot. Lots of people will ask you questions and stuff. And whilst you're in the zone trying to write some code, it can get a little bit annoying. But, I mean, that's something that we just have to deal with. And you usually use the downtime downtime as a means of of, of responding to emails and queries and all of that stuff. And this downtime shouldn't, in my opinion, be uh, time that is spent testing your code or setting up an environment, because that should be incredibly quickly. If you have to do something uh, more than more than three times in a course of a very short period of time, say a day, then you really need to automate that because you're going to make your life a lot easier going forward. So spinning up from nothing to a, a, a game in his, in his regard or to a website, uh, an actual testing environment for a website, if that takes you more time than it does to actually write the test and write the fix, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> then you're doing something wrong. You want to be trying to create as, as less friction between you writing the code and you deploying the code. Right. So all the things in between in terms of like debugging and um, uh, testing it, uh, running all sorts of different checks, you want to make sure that that is nice and smooth. You don't want to hit any issues with your tools. So your tools need to be as nice and, and polished and, and as simple to use as possible. But if you're if you're stuck with having to deal with setup if you're if and this is and this isn't just testing this is just this is also um if you if you've come into a project and you're you're new to a project and you have to install and build the project from from scratch then that should be a one click process or a one command process that is incredibly quick and does and if there's any error you should be aware of those errors straight away and also the 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 setup should be specific to what you need at the time okay so you know i i i'm aware of projects where you you come into it and you've got to install every little thing everything even if you're not working on that thing even if you don't care about that thing <laughs> even if it's not even in your team <laughs> you would have to install all the things um, and that takes ages. That takes ages. I've worked in places where setup would take like, you know, 30 minutes. That's all right. I've worked in places where it takes three days. <laughs> I've worked in places where it takes nearly a week to get all sorts of things up and running or longer um, because you have to go through certain different 
chains of, I don't know, approval or verification to download certain things or whatever. So the whole point of this is that your, your time in which you can, you spend idling is not time well spent. Um, and the thing is, the point that he made here about distractions really kind of, um, made me think, you know, because as soon as you get distracted, as soon as something happens, as soon as you get asked a question, and as soon as you think that you've got downtime, and that downtime is because you're staring at a loading bar, then the question often takes longer to answer <laughs> than the actual process that you're working on. And then when you're when you get back to the process, when you get back to the thing that you've built, you're like, what was I doing? What do I need to test? What do I need to do? Because you've taken yourself out of that loop. What I'm talking about here is context switching. You're switching context. You're juggling all sorts of balls at once. And if you're in the middle of, I need to fix this bug. And let's say, for instance, um, you're, you're really deep into some really crazy nested loops or something that is just insane. And you're really burrowed down. And you've all your senses are just tuned into this particular line of code that you are testing. And then you have to run it on something that is going to take you half an hour to just get running <laughs> in order for you just to get to that point and test it. And someone sends you a message on Slack and you're like, OK, I'll quickly respond to this. Then you're, you know, you could be responding to a colleague that is looking at their code, which means now you've just changed, you've shifted your whole entire focus from what you were trying to achieve to answering a question. Now, you know, you obviously have to answer questions in when you're coding, sure. But what I'm trying to say here is that your, your setup time shouldn't be used as a sort of a distraction free zone. <laughs> if you will. And your toolings should be uh, made as efficiently as possible. Any kind of little thing that uh, trips you up should be removed. It's, you know, it's a barrier. It's a barrier in my opinion, and it needs to be removed. Any kind of mishap that needs to be removed it, because not only does it help you, but it will also help other developers coming on board and experiencing the same thing. You know, readme documents need to be updated. Uh, any, any, anything that can, can slow yourself down needs to be, um, reduced. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that can't be reduced, but, um, one of the things that, um, I want to focus on is testing. One thing that I, I hear from people who haven't done any testing at all on, on projects is that it takes time. Not only does it take time to write the test, but also it takes time to run the test. And there is a solution to the time in which it takes to run the tests. And that is to only run the tests that you need. <laughs> you don't have to run the whole suite. You don't have to run everything at once. See, I think what I was happening, if I, if I read between the lines with the Adam Berg article here, I think what was happening is in his early days when he was an interim, he was running uh, suites where it would run the whole thing. And that would take a long time, you know, running the whole game. Whereas when he, he progressed into working for other teams, he started using these test beds and he started working on uh, unit testing where it was a sp specific thing that he was, he was, he was testing 
And that setup was very quick because it was the code of the, the test code was only worrying about the thing that he was dealing with. He didn't have to worry about all the other bits and pieces, parts of the game. With web development or just software development in general, you can get away with just testing what it is that you've focused on. In PHP Unit, for instance, there is a way of filtering out all of the other tests. So in PHP Unit, there's this um, annotation called groups. And there is an argument called hyphen G. And if you do, um, if you come online, PHP Unit, so bin PHP Unit, hyphen G, I believe it is, or at least that is in Codeception. Uh, I might have to just check in uh, in uh, PHP unit, in raw PHP unit. But in Codeception, let's talk about Codeception. Hyphen G, you can actually pass in um, a, a keyword, uh, some sort of string that you've you've set as an annotation on your test. Now, the way I do it is with my tests. I have around about three groups per test, and that may seem a little bit, um, you know, much. But um, what I do is is say, let's say I was testing something that was specific to the order process. So ordering an item of something, for instance. And I would say I would I I, I may have two hundred of these tests that that focus on the order section. Fine. Okay. Let's say we were, so that would be the first group. So the group would be order. So if I was to run uh, codeception, um, run unit hyphen G order, it would run all of those 200 tests. Let's say I've got a thousand tests in total and two of them, 200 of them were order tests. Well, you know, I don't have to run the whole thousand suite just to check whether or not something was added correctly to the cart and the calculation was 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 working. Because to be frankly, to be frank, I don't really care at this present second whether or not, I don't know, a, a button on the contact form works. Because that's not what I'm worried about right now. I'm worried about adding a product to the basket and making sure that the total gets calculated correctly. So I don't need to run the test for anything else. I just need to run the test for that specific test case. Okay, so we have a group called order. Fine. Okay, let's now get a little bit more laser focused. Maybe I'm testing um, the add to order. Uh, maybe I'm testing order items. So, okay, so it's order and then order items. So I have another group and we call it order items. Maybe in those that block of 200 tests, we have, say, I don't know, a hundred specifically for order items. So now I've narrowed down that even further. So I'm not testing the whole order. I'm not testing removing of products of the order of from the order. I'm not testing, um, uh, you know, updating the the orders quantity or order items quantity or 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 or, or uh, cancelling the order or changing the shipping address of the order. I don't care about any any of that because all I'm caring about right now is adding an item to the order and then and checking whether or not the the um the total is correct. So okay, instead of using order, we're going to do order items. Fine. But still a hundred of those tests have already been are, are running and there's a lot of those tests that I don't really care about right now. So let's go a little bit specific and let's actually say uh group order hyphen items hyphen 
add to basket. That is my, now that is my group that is specific to what the test is actually doing. So let's run that and that will run one test <laughs> and that'll run one test. Let's make sure that one test passes. And because I'm only testing one thing, it's going to be lightning quick. The feedback loop is going to be instant. Boom. So we run that and we've got a failure. Okay. So we fix the failure. We run it again. It works. Brilliant. Okay. So now we want to check the order items. Let's run order hyphen items. So that's going to run our 100 order item tests. It's not going to run the whole thousand tests of suite, the suite of a thousand tests. It's just going to test the, um, the order hyphen items group. Okay. So a hundred of those tests now get ran. We have a problem. Fine. We need to fix it. Okay. Let's now go back to running the order items hyphen add to basket group. Make sure that still works. Yes, it does. Okay. Then I'll run the order items group. Yes, that works. Okay, great. Let's now run all the order, uh, ones. Yes, that's all worked. Okay. Now we can run the whole suite. And now I'm going to make a cup of tea because <laughs> it's going to take ages. But now, but do you see what I mean? What you've done is you've, you've, instead of, instead of looking, um, a look, you know, sort of looking over it and giving a, getting a higher view and saying, all right, this is, I'm going to test all the things just because of this one little change. I'm going to change this, test this one little change first, and then I'm going to test all the things that are perhaps associated to that. And then I'm going to test everything else <laughs> just to be, just to be sure, just to be sure. And, um, you know, the likelihood that, uh, the cut contact button breaking because you've changed the order item add to basket functionality is very, very unlikely, but let's just test it anyway. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to say is you got to think differently as to how you run these tests because you want to be getting the most, the quickest feedback loop possible. And if you can group by or filter your tests, I think with PHP unit, you filter them. Um, whereas Codeception, you group them or something. Um, if you can do that and you can get more precise as to how, what the feedback loop is actually going to give you, then you're going to become more efficient and therefore you're going to be writing more more code because you're going to it's going to flow quicker you, there's more there's sorry there's less gaps in your in your code therefore when you actually get distracted by some slack message or by an email you actually have time to deal with it you're not dealing with anything else because perhaps you're just perhaps you've got to the point where you've just you're you've tested all the all of the things and now you're just going to test the whole suite just to just in case and then you get distracted. Okay. Well, that's far better than getting distracted on the reverse. So, let's say I've just changed this order items thing, right? And uh, this add to basket thing, but instead of just testing that one thing, I now have to test the whole thing because that's the only way I can do it. So I test the whole suite, the whole suite, the whole gamut of stuff. And then I get distracted and I'm just looking at this thing and it's like, you know, test one of 5,000 being test, you know, 100 of 5,000. It hasn't even got to my test yet. And I've got distracted. Now I've answered this thing and now it's got to my, my issue. And now I've got to fix the thing and I'm halfway through a conversation with someone else. <laughs> what I want to do is actually get to that specific test first <laughs> and then deal with everything else afterwards. 
So I guess it's a, just a different way of, of approaching testing. And it's a different way of thinking about how am I going to actually get this feedback? Another thing that I do is if I'm having to eyeball things, which I do quite a lot, you know, let's eyeball whether or not this works. So I'm actually clicking through the site is I would have a terminal window running with the log, log stuff coming out. So or even I would have the, the, the debugger window running the web development toolbar so I can see the console logs running. So I have as much information as I possibly can have open when I'm doing the thing that I'm, I'm eyeballing. Otherwise, I'm going to end up having to redo it again and again and again. And in some cases, you have to get, you know, like an account to a specific state to, in order for, for you to try and replicate this thing. So in order to have, you know, information is power, get as much information as you can right away up front. So have, have your error logs tailing so you can follow the logs. Use tail minus F if you're in, a, in, in the Linux world. So tail minus F of the logs. This means that every request you're going to get the, the, the log entry. Um, look out for things like 500 errors, 400 errors, that kind of stuff. Um, if, if you've got any other kind of monitoring going on, make sure that that's available to you quickly. And you, you essentially just want to get as much information on the first pass as possible because then you can say, okay, yeah, actually that was, that happened through an Ajax request. And I can see that there was a console issue with this Ajax request because I can see it. It's come back with a 500 error, but oh no, I didn't actually look at the logs. So now I need to do the whole request again and tail the logs as I do it. <laughs> well, if I tail the logs in the first place and I had the development web development toolbar running, I could see that it's hitting a 500 error, you know, come it came back with a 500 error and I can actually see it in the Apache error logs. So there we go. <laughs> I don't have to run this request for a second time just because I've noticed that it's a 500 error in the uh, in the web development console, you know. So it's, it's just having these sort of these key, I don't know, these, these key, uh, information things available to you, uh, as quickly as possible. Reduce the amount of time that you have to repeat yourself in order to replicate the issue. If you can get the issue straight away, then, 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 uh, that is, that will make you more efficient. That will make you a better programmer going forward because Time is incredibly valuable. And if you can get to the issue faster than some other developer, then you will be seen as more of a, a, a worthy purchase from a HR point of view, let's say. <laughs> ah, Anyway, thank you ever so much for listening. Uh, I hope that kind of made a little bit of sense and I didn't go too off on, a, on too much of a tangent there, but I do think that this is really important. So scaling down the feedback, um, the time in which it takes you to iterate over code um, and s focusing on, on the time in which it takes to actually get a testing environment up and running and getting into the nitty gritty part of whatever it is that you're doing. Yes, there is a place for integration tests. Um, there definitely is a place for integration tests, sure. And I do think that when you do a deployment, that there should be some level of integration testing that is automated and they do take a long time.
fine. But when you're actually developing, when you're actually writing the code, fixing the bugs, there is no need. Well, I shouldn't say that. There is, there is more need for a unit test than there is for an integration test straight away because your test, you should focus on the unit of work. The thing that is, that is broken. And that is, you know, the unit of work that you're trying to break. And once you have that, you should just test that initially. And then you can start layering on the other tests that could be associated with that functionality that you've just played with. And, you know, the more you test, obviously, the more confidence you get, you gain. But what I'm trying to say here is you you need to flip it on its head. And instead of testing everything at once, you should be testing the smallest amount first and then go out the way. Otherwise, you could be testing all sorts of rubbish that isn't that is completely irrelevant to the thing that you are actually working on. And that is going to take so long to do. Yes, it's cool to see the the terminal output. You know, yes, this tick, 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 tick. Of course, it's tick, 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 tick coming out your terminal window. But none of those tests are kind of relevant right now. (laughs) Uh. Anyway, thank you ever so much. Happy coding, everyone. And I'll see you again next week for the final, for the final podcast of 2021. Take care. Happy coding. Cheers. Bye-bye.